You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. The risen Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, light of the world, fully human, fully divine, Savior of humanity, the cornerstone, the center of it all, the one at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess his lordship. According to Philippians 2, Jesus Christ. Well, today we close out our Jesus Is series. And if you missed any part of the series, you can catch up on our YouTube or our podcast. You don't want to miss any part of this series. We kicked it off on Easter Sunday with a message called Jesus Is Savior. He saves us from our sin, from our hopelessness, from whatever messy circumstance you might find yourself in today. Next, we discover that Jesus is shepherd. He knows his sheep and his sheep know his voice. He protects, provides, and guides us in the journey of life. Then Jamia shared a message called, Jesus is the light of the world. He shines with grace and truth, bringing clarity and identity to our stories. Then Pastor Heather from National Community Church shared, Jesus is Redeemer. He redeems and rescues us from shame and guilt. He covers our past, present, and future with providence and purpose. And then Pastor David shared that Jesus is supernatural. He's a miracle worker, and he's still in the business of doing the impossible. Jesus is Lord and Master. He's the only one worth following, the only one worth giving everything up for, because what we get back in return is so much more than anything that we could lay down. And last week, my dad, Pastor Terry Park, shared a message called, Jesus is truth. He's not only true, he is truth, aletheia, defined. We discover our truth when we put our lives in Christ, that we are uh, not sinners, we are saints. We are made new creations in Christ Jesus. In short, Jesus is everything. Uh, Somebody once commented to me, why is all you talk about at Bridges Jesus? Can't you preach about anything else? What's up with that? It reminded me of a story that I heard once about the Beatles. Somebody asked Paul McCartney in an interview, why are all the Beatles songs about love? And Paul replied, if you can find a better subject to write about, just let me know. And to my friend who commented about Jesus, I would say, look, if you can find anything better to preach on, just let me know. Jesus is everything. He is the beginning and the end. And without Jesus, this life thing just doesn't work. Life doesn't work, faith doesn't work, family doesn't work. You can't find your purpose. Your destiny cannot be fulfilled. Uh, Last week in our house churches, we read out of John chapter 14, and we discovered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, if you want to know how to get the most out of this life, look at the way that Jesus lived. If you're on the search for meaning and truth, it's Jesus. If you're looking for a better life, a fuller life, and a life that just makes sense. It's found in Jesus. Simply put, Jesus is everything. He is the cornerstone of our faith. You take the cornerstone out of a foundation and it crumbles. See, you cannot have a foundation in life without Jesus at the center of it all. Christianity has a core belief in the Trinity. I'm sure you've heard of it, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And guess what? Jesus is at the center of that triune God. He points to the Father. Remember from John 14 that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And Jesus said uh, that he was leaving behind the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would be a witness that would point back to Jesus. 
So Jesus pointed to the Father, the Holy Spirit points to Jesus, John 16, 14. The Spirit will bring glory to me by taking my message and telling it to you. This only works with Jesus. And today, as we close out the series, which by no means is us closing out the conversation about Jesus, I just want to share a few more points to really drive home that it's all about Him. Jesus is life. I think we all want to live our best life. No one wants to just scrape by and live a mediocre life, right? Well, check this out, John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Rich and satisfying. Whew, that's awesome. See, when I was in high school, I used to think that Christians were boring, that following Jesus would mean giving up all of the fun, but the truth is just the opposite. Jesus gives us life abundant to the full, lacking nothing. It's this Greek word, parison, which means superior and in excess. One translation actually says it's having everything you need. It's the full life. So you're probably wondering why I've got this purple cup here with a clear glass. And I just wanted to have some fun this morning with a little bit of a science experiment that my wife and kids did in their homeschool. You ever been to a restaurant and you order a drink, maybe your favorite drink, and they kind of jip you on it. They don't fill it all the way to the top and then you get home if it's a drink to go and you realize I've been found wanting. Well, don't worry, Jesus fills your cup all of the way. And what happens is when you're filled up with the Jesus life, when he fills your cup, basically there's no room for anything else. When you're filled with his joy, with his word, with his power, everything else of this world, all fear, all anxiety, all depression, it has to go. There's nothing left in this cup. It's filled with clear, perfect water. Following Jesus, whew, I was a little nervous there. Following Jesus is just like that. It's a process, but it's good stuff. I've been loving this series, The Chosen. It's a free app download. I highly recommend it. It tells the story of Jesus in a fresh way. And uh, I love the way that they portray Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a teacher in Israel. And in John chapter 3, Jesus has this epic conversation with Nicodemus. And this is where we get the famous John 3.16. You've probably seen it on posters at ball games. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And verse 17 continues on. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. See, Jesus came to give us life. And how we get that life is by receiving the free gift of salvation. He is life. And when you put your faith in Christ, you can breathe and rest assured knowing that you've been given the gift of eternal life, life everlasting. Wow, that is big. Jesus is life. The second thing I wanna share is Jesus is grace. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, wow. That passage alone is worth a whole sermon series and mind blown, right? But I wanna share another passage from Paul out of the book of Ephesians when it comes to grace. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Grace is defined as unmerited favor. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it, but you get it. And what we receive through his amazing grace is forgiveness. Now this is massive because when you let this sink in, you realize that the weight of your sin and your past has been lifted off your back. Your sin debt has been cleared, it's been paid. For all of the college students that are watching today or if you've gone to college and you know the reality of student loans, right? I mean, I have some friends today that went to school with me about 20 years ago that are still paying off some of those student loans. I mean, the struggle is real, right? Uh, this past year, one opportunity that we had as a church and as a nonprofit was applying for a PPP grant. Now, this is something offered to small businesses everywhere as COVID brought some unique financial challenges to everyone in 2020. And the short story is that you could apply for a grant and then you could also apply for loan forgiveness. And praise the Lord, we not only received a PPP grant, but we got full loan forgiveness on it. Somebody say amen, right? All of it completely covered, completely taken care of. We don't owe a dime. It was a huge blessing, wiped away. And here's the deal. Your sin, by the grace of God through the cross, is forgiven and forgotten. Grace. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it, but we get it. Now, Jesus told a story to his early listeners and his disciples to get a little glimpse of grace. And we know this parable as the prodigal son. But in the original language, in the ancient church, and still today in the Middle East, this parable is called the parable of the running father. Let that sink in. See, in the West, we tend to focus on our sin and the lost sinner, but in the original context, it put full focus on God and His great love for us. Maybe you've heard the story. It comes out of Luke chapter 15. A father has two sons, and he decides to give them their inheritance a little earlier. And the younger son gets his money. He decides to go a little wild, okay? So just imagine this today. The younger son gets 100 grand. He heads off to Vegas to live it up. But the only thing that happens in Vegas and stays in Vegas was his money. He spent his entire inheritance on gambling, drinking, prostitutes, everything that you can imagine. He's got nothing left. So he goes and gets a job at a rundown restaurant, but he doesn't even have enough money to get himself a decent apartment. He doesn't even have enough money to get food on the table. So he finds himself living behind the restaurant in a back alley, sifting through the leftovers and the dumpster every night just to get a meal. And as he's looking around at his surroundings and the rain begins to fall with rats climbing over his feet, he's in this back alley and he remembers, man, back at my dad's place, even the lowest paid servant had it 10 times better than this. And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 15. Verses 20 through 24 say, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. My friends, this is a picture of God's grace and it's what you get with Jesus. And it only comes with Jesus. See, on our own, we're not worthy. We're not strong enough. That's okay because his grace is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Every day I feel like I'm failing, but that's why we need Jesus because it's actually in our weakness that his power is made perfect. So you can try hard and you can strive over and over again towards trying to live a perfect life, but you're going to mess up. There's only one person who ever lived a sinless life and his name is Jesus. And guess what? Jesus came to undo religion and get us back to the Father's heart. And it came through a path of grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God in Christ. You have forgiveness. That is such good news. Jesus is grace. And lastly, I want to share something that's been a bit of a personal revelation for me over this last year. Jesus is peace. Philippians 4, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's really good. Let's look at what Paul said in Colossians 1 verse 20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now that title goes all the way back to an ancient prophecy in the Old Testament, centuries before Jesus was born, Isaiah. And in chapter 9, Isaiah says this about Jesus, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. Now the Hebrew word for peace here is shalom. And in our Western world, we tend to say peace as a means of goodbye, but actually the word shalom is peace for hello. It's a greeting. And here are some of the words that define the peace of God or shalom. Listen to this. Completeness, safety, rest, prosperity, lack of worry, harmony, and fullness. Yeah, sign me up. That's the kind of peace that I want in my life. And it entered our story when Jesus did. In Luke chapter 2, the angels show up to a group of shepherds and they give a birth announcement and it goes like this, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. Guess what? He favors you. You are favored. You are God's favorite. Now, I know it's been hard lately to find peace anywhere, so let peace find you. Let Jesus in, give him your burdens. Let him into those areas of your life that you've tried to hide and to hold back. Jesus just wants to give you his peace, but here's the deal, you have to receive it. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is life, he is grace, and he is peace. Jesus is everything. At a conference a couple years ago, I heard Priscilla Shirer bring a message. At the end, she said, Jesus is everything, and all of the Bible points to Jesus. In Genesis 
Jesus is the word at creation. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, the high priest. In Numbers, he's the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, Jesus is Israel's guide. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, he is Israel's guard. In Ruth, he'll be the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, you'll see and read Jesus as your trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, he is the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of broken walls and broken lives. In Esther, you'll see him as courage. In Job, he'll be the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, Jesus is the morning star. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, Jesus is a time and a season. In Song of Solomon, you'll see Jesus as intimate love. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is the cry for Israel. And in Ezekiel, he is the call from sin. In Daniel, he is with us in the fire. In Hosea, he is the faithful forever. In Joel, he is the Spirit's power. In Amos, you'll see Jesus as justice rolling on like a river. In Obadiah, he's the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, you'll see him as the great missionary. In Micah, he's the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he brings revival. In Haggai, he restores that which is lost. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, Jesus is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. That's the Old Testament. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is Messiah. In Acts, Jesus is the reigning fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, the power of love. In Galatians, he is freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, He's the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the reconciler. In Thessalonians, he's our calling king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, Jesus is the everlasting courage. In James, he's the one who still heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our faithful shepherd. In John and Jude, you read that he's coming back for his bride. And in Revelation, in the very end, when it's all over and said and done, he is and will always be the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Lamb of God, the great I am, our Savior forever. Jesus is everything. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.